Welcome to the Cyber Rants Podcast, where we're all about sharing the forbidden secrets and slightly embellished truths about corporate cybersecurity programs. We're ranting, we're raving, and we're telling you the stuff that nobody talks about on their fancy website and trade show giveaways, all to protect you from cyber criminals. And now, here's your hosts, Mike Rotondo, Zach Fuller, and Lauro Chavez. Hello, and welcome to the Cyber Ants Podcast. This is your co-host, Zach Fuller, joined by Mike Rotondo and Lauro Chavez. And today, we are talking about some of the hurdles that small businesses face, and we are welcoming um, to the team and also to the podcast uh, our, our guest, Dave Baker. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, before we dive in, let's uh, kick it off with the news as we usually do. Mike? Zach, and just wanted everybody to know that Cyber Rants has been voted the number one Cyber Rants podcast in the world. So, Wow, uh, by Cyber Rants. good news. By Cyber Rants and everybody I bought a drink for at the bar, bar in Morton's last night. Houston, we may have an, an IT tech worker problem soon. There's a study that just came out. Tech and IT workers' resignations risk spiraling, spiraling out of control. As chronic burnout, limited career progression, and unrealistic demands from employers prompt technology industry employees to jump ship. Uh, Researchers who have looked into this believe a real problem is looming in the near future, that nearly three-quarters of IT workers are intending to quit their job within the next 12 months. Their survey encompassed 1,200 IT workers across the U.S., and 97% of reported feeling burned out. 79% 79% of the employees were considering exiting the IT field altogether. One of the things they were, they were citing was that many citing re- relentless demands from employers, repeated interruptions and disruptions to their work-life balance, ill-defined projects, and a steady stream of half-baked, half-baked requests from stakeholders. I know nobody on this call has ever had any of those problems. Never. Well, real quick, there's there's something called the Great Resignation that's like a movement that's happening right now, and we're, we're watching humans just essentially take their lives back at the cost of, well, whatever the cost may be, but at no costs, right? But yes, yes, we've, yeah. we've never experienced terrible working conditions in IT, not once. Yeah. And I know all of our all of our projects have been clear and well-defined and management never gets in the way. Nearly all U.S. execs have experienced a cybersecurity threat, but some say there's still no plan. A new survey by Deloitte suggests the majority of U.S. executives have encountered a cybersecurity incident, but this is not translated into the creation of an incident response plan. Despite the ongoing risk of cyber attacks, U.S. enterprise firms are not up to par when it comes to implementing defense and incident response initiatives. Problems including data management issues, infrastructure complexities, failures to keep up with technological advances, and missteps in prioritizing cybersecurity outside of its challenges. Only 41% of organizations say they have implemented solutions to track and monitor risk. The research suggests that the common consequences experienced by today's firm after an incident include disruption, 28%, drop in share value, 24%, intellectual property theft, 22%, damage to the reputation that prompts a loss in customer trust, 22%, and one management cares about 23% of all cases, a cyber attack can lead to a change in leadership role. So write those checks. Ransomware soars 148% to record-breaking levels in 2021. The volume of ransomware attacks over the first three quarters of 2021 reached 470 million, 148% increase on the same period last year, making 2021 already the worst year on record, according to SonicWall. Q3 2021 saw the most significant volume of ransomware attacks recorded by the vendor at 190.4 million. It nearly tops the 195.7 million attempts logged in the first three quarters of 2020. This stuff's getting serious. SonicWall predicted that by the end of 2021, the ransomware total would be near 714 million. 
for the year. Real quick, if you own an Apple to update uh, Apple device, update it right now. Uh, they patched bugs in the iOS and iPad OS, and then they came out with uh, Monterey for the uh, MacBooks. So patch everything. And I just added this because I wanted to say it. Hackers using Squirrel Waffle Loader to deploy QuakeBot and Cobalt Strike. Say that. Really I love the Waffle Loader. <laughs> new spam email campaign has emerged as a conduit for a previously undocumented malware loader that enables the attackers to gain an initial foothold into an enterprise networks and drop malicious payloads on compromised systems. These infections are also used to facilitate the delivery of additional malware such as Quackbot and Cobalt Strike. There's a couple additional headlines to look at. One I wish we'd had last for last week's discussion, which is 75 70% of Wi-Fi networks cracked by researchers to show their lack of security. So uh, dovetailing off what we talked about last night, button up your Wi-Fi. It's so easy to get in, really, it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, lastly, Facebook's who's scraper who sold 178 million phone numbers and user IDs. Good luck, the guys in the Ukraine. We'll see what actually happens. With that, Laurel, how about some exploits? Okay. Well, yeah, let's, let's you know, go from talking about all that cool stuff to talking about something that is not my most favorite topic of the day, which is WordPress. We've got actually six WordPress plugin exploits for the week big surprise only six so you cowboys and cowgirls after wrestling with wordpress i'd patch okay if you're running it's called substastic but it's a contact form uh, 1.7 there these are all cross-site um reflected cross-site scripting so that substastic contact form has one there's a filterable photo gallery 1.0 Ninja tables 4.1 if you're using ninja tables uh, make sure you get off 4.1 and media tags 3.2 and then finally for WordPress core 4.9, there's arbitrary file deletion. So that sounds fun. So make sure you're not using the WordPress core code on 4.9 and you're upgraded to like Simone on 5.6 or something that's current. Last but not least, stored request forgery in the Umberco free for everybody CMS product. Um, so make sure that you get off of 8.1.4 because there is a exploit code for Metasploit for that stored request forgery. And with that is exploits for the week. I will turn it back over to the trusty MC, Mr. Fuller. We have a guest. Remember, free stuff is never really free. But uh, oh yeah, it's the hallway of slaps. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's for sure. I wonder if well, except for Squirrel Waffle Loader. Squirrel Waffle Loader, I think, is that's that's an exception. But that's a topic. Yeah, I'm uh, postmating some waffles after this. <laughs> yeah, if you want something free that works well. The squirrel waffle loader works extremely well, apparently. We need to do an episode on all the best names of things that have come up through the world of hacking over the last couple of years. Oh, pretty amazing. Pretty, there's brilliance, brilliance in there. Well, great. We're going to dive into it here shortly. But before we do, let's take a quick commercial break. Want even more Cyber Rants? Be sure to subscribe to the Cyber Rants podcast. Get your copy of our best-selling book, Cyber Rants, on Amazon today. This podcast is brought to you by Silent Sector, a firm dedicated to building world-class cybersecurity programs for mid-market and emerging companies across the U.S. Silent Sector also provides industry-leading penetration tests and cyber risk assessments. Visit silentsector.com and contact us today. And we're back. And today we have David Baker with us. Um, a new team member to Silent Sector. Uh, we've known Dave for a lot of years, long time. But um, that being said, we have some pretty cool stuff going on. So I'm, I want to preface it with Silent Sector traditionally 
serves um, more mid-market, some emerging organizations, but more mid-market. You know, these are usually companies with 50, 50 employees up to a couple thousand. Um, that's been kind of our bread and butter. Uh, but we get lots and lots of small businesses reaching out that need help. We said, well, we got to do something about this. There are a lot of challenges out there. And it just so happens that uh, Dave is an absolute expert um, in these areas, has been um, in that space a long, long time. And so we're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff moving forward here. But uh, Dave, thanks for joining us on the show. It's great to have you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Do you want to start by just sharing a bit of it about your background, any interesting experiences, things like that, um, that you had to kind of set the stage so people um, get a feeling for your expertise and, and who you are? Yeah. So started, you know, uh, way back when, when computers started, you know, the uh, people were buying machines, didn't know what to do. And, you know, back then, as long as you knew one thing more than the person you were working with, you were the expert. And uh, I'd... Um, Spent time uh, as I was in college visiting the local computer store, playing with the new versions of uh, Windows 98 as they came out. And then I'd uh, show up at someone's house and tutor them and let them pay me to show what I had learned just two minutes before. Little did I know that that would turn into a career for me as I put myself through school and uh, spent more time uh, uh, focusing on what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Technology became such a prevalent part of everything that we were doing that I grew uh, in my knowledge of it. Started playing with machines, pastime, friends, family, uh, small businesses started asking for help. And before long, as I was uh, pursuing a career uh, working in the nonprofit sector, uh, I ended up putting myself through school by doing IT. Y2K came around and everybody was afraid the world was going to melt and dissolve. And uh, I casually uh, shut machines down and patched them with a running around with a floppy disk at the time and uh, showed up back after uh, January 1 of 2000 and powered machines back on and life continued. At that time, started working with more and more uh, companies by word of mouth that were trying to get into this server revolution. Their software vendors were driving them to server hosted applications. Little before I knew it, I had myself a small business uh, consulting serving primarily the small to mid-sized business space, specifically focused on kind of a house of worship and small education. And uh, you wouldn't think that uh, technology would invade that, but uh, as I heard on a radio host, uh, syndicated radio host once as she was talking, she said, yeah, it's time for you to upgrade your home machine. And what do you do with that old machine that can't even run your email at home as you give it to the local nonprofit? And sadly, that uh, is what we had to work with and continue to work with. So for 20 years, uh, served everything from large, what we would define as mega churches, several thousand in attendance, philanthropic organizations, women's men's service agencies, uh, school districts, all the way up to um, food manufacturers, law firms, real estate developers, and helping them with all of their technology needs as a group. Not a lot uh, changed other than technology. Uh, business uh, operators still thought the same way. They provided their technology out of their office supply budget. Most of them uh, consider technology the equivalent of a paperclip uh, in the workroom, and it was just a, a tool to get them by. About uh, five years ago, I got uh, three kids. Uh, my three kids uh, all decided they had no interest in owning a technology business. I had several employees working for me at the time, and it was a decision as technology was advancing almost further than I could stay on top of it. I wasn't the expert of everything, it's kind of the jack of all trades and was uh, caught up doing HR and caught up doing 
sales, got up doing customer support, billing, paying taxes for product we were selling, and then ultimately being the senior support, which uh, unfortunately is the plague of uh, small businesses all over the world. You know, there's one guy that's doing everything. I had several trusted employees that I gave full responsibility to, and even myself being concerned about security, uh, I probably gave the keys of the kingdom away to several of my own employees, uh, just trusting that they were taking care of it, leaving it in their hands because I had other things to work on. So as I started saying five years ago, I decided it was time to uh, either close up shop, go work for someone else. I didn't really want to do that with my clients, had 15, 20 year relationships with some of my clients. The other option was go out and hire uh, other people, bring them into a trusted team. And, uh, you know, that that was a long process. It's going to cost a lot of money to uh, get some IT uh, depth on the bench and in the sales team, or it was uh, put myself on the market. So uh, as we're seeing now, kind of coming out of the pandemic, a lot of businesses closing down, businesses merging, making decisions on how they're going to manage their capital and operations. Fortunately, uh, this was uh, 2017, put myself on the market and within about a month, had multiple offers for my business. Some of them were crazy. Some of them were, uh, hey, we'll uh, hire you this week. You'll do a brain dump in a week and you're out of here. Others had the grand idea of offering me the opportunity of coming on board, getting no pay for two years and whatever clients stuck around at the end of two years, they'd pay me some prorated amount. At that time though, I found uh, um, uh, through this business broker, a larger MSP that had great growth plans acquired me. It was a great opportunity, closed on my business one day. The next day became a full-time employee. I think I was employee number 11. And I was with them for about five years. By the time I left after five years, we were at 60 employees and a goal to continue um, you know, a, a 10 times over revenue growth for the next couple of years with an open ultimate goal for this owner to exit the market. As business grew, as relationships changed, my role changed, my ability to provide a custom solution, an intimate relationship with my clients to truly assess their needs and uh, my own personal goals of wanting to impact the community and make a difference where I'm at um, really uh, created opportunities for me to consider what was next. And uh, part of uh, these opportunities here with Silent Sector, continuing to serve the small business market, continue to meet those needs in an area where small business is... Um, Vital to the economy, vital to so many people's livelihood, but uh, technology is still a burden. It uh, grows in cost and grows in knowledge far beyond what we can keep track of. So looking uh, looking forward to uh, kind of a new horizon out of the world of the um, managed uh, service provider space um, and looking to uh, be able to help small businesses and other organizations that maybe can't afford um, larger IT infrastructure plans, don't have that uh, knowledge bench to, to rely on. And that's, I think, one of the advantages that uh, I think Silent Sector brings to the table is just a, a wealth of knowledge, guys with plenty of experience in different areas and uh, many years of experience, maybe a lot of gray hair, maybe not so gray hair, but uh, definitely uh, staying on top of technology trends. So there's a quick highlight for you. Not to mention great beards. Yeah. At least, at least a, a couple of the people on this call. <laughs> Can't include myself in that. Uh, Dave, that you know, for for I hope for those listening, that was like a really that was like a walk through history of IT right there with Dave Baker has lived the whole span of it all all the way to the meta. <laughs> <laughs>
the meta. Oh, <laughs> there's an episode in itself. <laughs> right. Hey, it's changed, you know. <laughs> Definitely a different environment than when you started, huh? Well, uh, appreciate you sharing that. And it really, uh, there, there is a lot evolving. I mean, what, what would you say are some of the big struggles? Because you, you see a lot in the, the SMB space. And what are the things that they're facing today that maybe weren't true you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, technology is always driven. I, uh, I have a friend, actually, Mike and I both have a friend who's, you know, father purchased a, uh, a first emerging uh, calculator slash computer that he later traded for a uh, cabin up in uh, Pine. You know, back then that technology was kind of a choice. You could do your accounting on a green ledger pad or you could, um, you know, use technology to move it along. I think back, there was a time where, you know, addressing technology in the small business space was a choice. You had your old ways of doing it and you could still get by. There was still just the issue of your accounting was protected by a lock and key, hopefully, or a file cabinet. And there was a proximity access that uh, limited your books and liability. And only thing you were concerned about is the physical checkbook. Technology has reached the point where, you know, I can't, I can't think of a business if even thinking of agriculture and farming uh, that hasn't adopted technology that uh, without technology being a part of what they're doing, uh, whether they realize it or not, it's, it's going to destroy um, their operations, their productivity, their time if they don't stay on top of it. Uh, we had a, a customer that was a food manufacturer and was uh, holding out as long as they could on upgrading their ERP program because they didn't want to upgrade off of Server 2000. Timing of timings, a uh, perfect storm hit uh, with uh, just before the pandemic. And uh, they lost uh, their ERP through uh, encryption, uh, ransomware attack on their primary server that accessed their server through the favorite of all ports, 3389 hanging out there wide open. Little did they know, uh, they thought they could keep producing their uh, food product that supported restaurants around town. So they kept manufacturing. Uh, they just lost the ability to build. They lost the ability to collect on past bills, prevent new bills, decided what they were going to do, banked on cyber insurance, figured that was going to bail them out. And before too long, uh, they had no cash coming in. They couldn't even pay what they're going to do. And cyber insurance paid out far less than what they had because they had clearly made choices along the way to ignore being updated, compliant, failed to listen to some of the recommendations that were provided to them by people in the market that they had sought. And they spent the last three years, three months of their business going door to door, having customers tell them what they thought they owed them and collect the money. And today they're no longer in business. I mean, technology from cloud-based to email, to smartphones, to our scheduling, half the applications I think we come across anymore uh, that are driving business, that are business specific. They're moving away from even um, letting you have it on site, requiring you to go to a cloud or a hosted solution, and your machines have to be connected to the internet to make that connection. It's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic out there because we, we have a lot of a lot of small businesses that say, "Oh, well, I need to go through this audit, or I need to get compliant with this framework," and they they assume because they're small businesses that their burdens are less than a, a mid-market or large enterprise. Absolutely. Um, I'm not me. You know, it's the not me syndrome. Right, right. And they say, oh, well, um, we need a SOC 2 audit. And shouldn't it cost, you know, a fraction for us what it costs for a larger company? Um, and, and just situations like that or the um, a lot are struggling with, of course, the CMMC compliance and NIST 800-171 
compliance if they do business with the Department of Defense. And they say, well, we're a small company, so it shouldn't take that much to get an alignment. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. Is that what you're what you're seeing out there as well? Absolutely. I mean, when these requirements come in, it it's interesting that these uh, suppliers or distributors or manufacturers, you know, whoever they might be, even, even down to, but I only make a portion of a package that gets put into a, a, a product that's, you know, used for government use, or uh, I'm working with a vendor that they have government requirements and they've asked me to do it. They have no concept of what the requirements are. And these, these are organizations that, you know, for the last, you know, if they've been in business 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, they have literally scrimped and saved. Uh, I don't want to say saved. They've scrimped on paying for any updates to technology. You know, the thought of buying a machine comes down to what's on sale at the local, you know, yellow and blue box down the street, or you know, what's on sale at the uh, warehouse store where they're going to pick up lunch for that day. And they don't even take into consideration the operating system or how it you know works on their environment. And a lot of these companies will come in, they'll bring their, we call them trunk slammers, you know, the, the single guys who don't have a background in what they're doing. And heck, I, on all honesty, I started as a trunk slammer, but uh, they come in and they say, you know, I, I could do this and this is the way you should do it, but we can just re-enable SMB1, which just opens up the network and let every device talk and it'll just be easier for you right now. And you don't need to worry about it. Uh, that's that's the problem is in, in the small business, it's not a priority. And, and honestly, it shouldn't be a priority because th- that's, you know, if their business is manufacturing a, a widget, um, the last thing they need to be doing is worrying about, you know, setting up a new user or probably the worst case of all, they let a trusted employee go and closing down all the accounts. You know, they've left uh, old accounts open, still using, you know, the name of the the dog that sleeps on the floor next to him, but the office is the password for everything. And when you look at those frameworks, you look at aligning those, it, it's starting from scratch. If you're, if you're coming into a, a mid-sized business or larger, it's likely that they at least have somebody working with them that's trained in technology, or at least you hope they do, or at least somebody at one time started laying somewhat of a framework so it's a matter of realigning a framework. We're a small business that isn't a priority, that hasn't uh, invested in their technology to date. They're starting from scratch. I mean, it's it's day one and trying to convince the owner, owner that uh, they need a complex password and that they need to change it, or even worse, recommending a two-factor authentication that they can't figure out and they hand their device to their employee to, you know, get working for them is a significant disruption in their business. So it it's not only a financial cost that truly is, you know, represents the size of the work that needs to be done. Uh, if they don't take it now and they don't put a structure in place, it becomes a cost of their productivity and functionality, even that the happiness of their employees. I think it's important too for, for small businesses to realize that they need to get their IT house in order before they even start looking at aligning the compliance requirements and and getting deeper into cybersecurity they they still need the fun, fundamental functions covered of IT and I think that's a, a struggle for a lot in that they have all these requirements come down and they say okay let's do that but they don't have a foundation set um they like you said they're they're so far behind in their technologies um that there really is a huge huge lift I, it's it's going to be an interesting next five years or so where I think there's going to be, there's going to have to be a quite a massive upgrade in IT infrastructure for small businesses in order to keep up with the compliance requirements. Even if they're using all cloud services, 
I mean, they still have to have endpoints and, and they still have to be able to communicate with those cloud services. So do you, any advice for companies that maybe are facing this today? They're in this point where, hey, we just got slammed with a bunch of compliance requirements. What do we do now? Because, um, you know, Joe in the back has been working on our IT for a long time and he's, he does a decent job, keeps it together, but, you know, we don't have any actual professionals doing the work for us. What, what would you tell them, you know, is there a sequence or an order of events that you would, you would prescribe in order to, for them to get their, their house in order? Yeah. I mean, you know, for, first off from the top, you know, ownership down becoming a priority that, that this is something that needs to be done to address security, prevent loss from, you know, phishing security attacks. I mean, understanding the value of it to, you know, using resources, some of the, the NIST framework that's out there um, can be extremely overwhelming when you look at all the details within it. But understanding that there are frameworks and guidelines that, you know, are published as industry standards to start working with. The other part is finding, uh, a, you know, a, a trusted advisor, finding somebody that you can come along with um, that can help you point you in the right direction. Uh, you know, first starting with, you know, how, how physically secure is the network, you know, understanding the physical proximity, understanding password security, even more so, you know, I think one of the things that always just shocked me in the small business world is how many people think their data is backed up? How many of how many of them think that they have a copy of their data? And I think understanding what is the uh, what's the cost of a security breach, whether it's a financial loss or a business productivity loss or what one of those factors coming into play, what is the uh, piece that's going to drive making those decisions? From there, it's finding a partner. I mean, Silent Sector, you know, a great partner to come along to a you know a, a large business or enterprise, you know market that that you can serve but but even reaching out to resources to gain direction on where to point them you know for for years uh, over the last um you know five years and you know kind of going my my role has served as what's kind of via vcio virtual chief information officer so there are resources out there such as someone in that role like a virtual chief information officer that can provide some high level coaching looking at the infrastructure from a forty thousand foot level and identifying key levels of uh, areas that need attention to move you in the right direction. Living in fear and uh, being panicked and frozen isn't going to get you ahead. But identifying how your network is secure, how it's connected, uh, passwords, addressing backup, addressing your policies and procedures. What are your HR practices for bringing on new staff, letting staff go? Uh, all, All of those pieces are things that individuals should be looking at. These frameworks help define that. And even more so, doing a pre-study, if you know a, a, a compliance or requirement is, is coming down the road, getting started, taking it one piece at a time, using someone to help coach you along the way. So when it comes time to completing a questionnaire, doing a self-evaluation, um, it's it's a great feeling when you work through that list. And first time you do it, you know, it wasn't so great. You go back and reevaluate yourself against that checklist and you're 50% of the way there, and then you move to 80% of the way there, that's a great victory for a small business. That's a great place to know that you're setting yourself up for next steps and what's coming down the road. Well, thank you for that. And I'm, I'm excited about what's to come here in the future, um, being able to um, serve more small businesses in a way that is uh, still provides a expertise, um, not just kind of canned one size fits all solutions, but really providing the guidance and such that they need to um, be able to 
you know, first stay in business, but more, most importantly, really grow and thrive over time, you know, in this, in this environment of complexity with cybersecurity and compliance requirements. So great to have you on. For those listening, um, you can reach Dave at dbaker at silentsector.com. But Dave, Mike, Lauro, any final thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you'd like to share with the listeners before we jump off? Um, thank you, Dave. No, this has just been an absolute pleasure to have you on and, and sharing your experiences. And, and we could be happy to have, you know, such a, I, I, I can't even, um, I'm just so thankful to have just another <laughs> super intelligent techie on board that is, you know, all about helping the all the help in the, the economy and the, and the small businesses that we serve and uh, try to right some of the wrong that's here <laughs> and, to, and not to take up too much time, but, you know, you can almost drive this problem that you talk about, Dave, back to the supply chain issue, you know, um, you know, a cyber attack can hurt. We, we, you know, even in small businesses that you don't think about that, like a meat market and things like that, where, you know, they're, maybe they're carving up beef and things like that um, as part of the, the community that they serve and having that, you know, having their technologies that they use for, for billing and stuff like that taken down not only causes, you know, problems with, you know, their customers, but also even just to generate things for their own business. Um, as an example, one of the ones we use, they, they had a similar issue and all of the boxes that they used to pack their meat in, they couldn't get anymore. And so they'd lost all of the data that they had for that. And um, the technologies were down and they, they couldn't, there was no way that had no contact information to find anyway. So they were given out like frozen meat and like big garbage bags for a while until they could recover. It was just like a, you know, the, the guy that was telling me about it, it was just like a big thing for them. And so we, we had a discussion about it, but you know, I, I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to, to observe those, you know, I think those intricate parts of, of our, of our economic machine and, and see how important they are and, and how I think how this, this generation that, that kind of runs some of these businesses, you know, seem to to disregard the the need on technology, and and we just we've got to change that mindset so that we can we can kind of change this, you know, hopefully this you know the security the mindset for 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 how these small businesses are operating. But I can't thank you enough. It's been an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So just to clarify, you're not advocating Windows 98, right? <laughs> I I would I would be stronger against a Millennium Edition. Would be even worse. But yeah, 98 should not exist. Uh, but sadly, uh, I would say within the last year, I have seen it in production and environments. That's scary. It's only running the door access control system. Oh. You know, it's, it's not connected to anything else. It's, you know, no, it's, it's nothing important, right? Oh, right. Exactly. Only. <laughs> only. It's good to have you here. And then I'm um, just glad that someone can, and can help out these smaller clients because there's really a need out there. We see it all the time. Um, we just, we're just silent sector cores. It's not geared to deal with that or wasn't until now. I'm glad you're here. Right. Glad you're on board. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and, you know, again, it's the, it's the, not me, it's I'm too small, but you know, every, every practice in the small business has been driven by what was figured out by the larger enterprise or unfortunately the insurance agencies that have insured the larger enterprise, you know, and their policies and practices have been pushed down to the, to the small guys. And um, so even though you're serving those smaller markets for the, for the sake of the, the small business owner that wants to grow their business and, you know, has dreams of, uh, you know, being a much larger uh, organization and, uh, you know, financially uh, making an impact and, uh, you know, making an impact for what they can do. But the, um, the fact is, even in the small business space, uh, those security principles still apply across the board from, you know, HR, personal devices, 
IoT, whatever it is, you know, someone walking out the door with critical data, accidentally, you know, uh, clicking on that link and compromising your customer data. The security principles are still the same. You know, when I walk out the door and I get in the car, whether I'm driving a, you know, $100,000 sports car or a semi or a, you know, heaven forbid, a Yugo, um, you know, the threats to me are still the same out on the road. And uh, we still have to, even the small business still needs to protect themselves. Well said, well said. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. Cyberrantspodcast.com will have some show notes, including the links to the articles that Mike talked through. And um, there's also a web form there. You can submit your questions, comments, smart remarks, whatever you'd like right there on cyberrantspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Pick up your copy of the Cyber Ants book on Amazon today. And if you're looking to take your cybersecurity program to the next level, visit us online at www.silentsector.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Cyber Ants podcast.